Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to episode three of Pop Cannon. I'm Jordan. I'm Robert. I'm Andrew. And I'm Brian. Oh, you sound so dulcet today, man. <laughs> Hashtag so dulcet. <laughs> In pleasing baritone. Today we are talking episodes three and four of season two of Westworld. Oh my god. They also, are wonderful. Also yeah. two of the greatest episodes of TV I've ever seen. Ever. So fellas, let's let's dive right into it. Yep. Uh, dive right into that milky white bath of mm. whatever that is. It's good and hot. <laughs> yeah. Leading off with episode three, Virtue e Fortuna. Mm. Virtue e Fortuna. I love I love these titles. So great. The, the titles are so deep. Yeah. Because ver- Virtu, I believe, is how you're supposed to say it. Virtu. Yeah, I is, believe it's Italian. Yeah, it's a Machiavellian concept, basically opposed to the regular Christian virtues that includes pride, bravery, civic humanism, strength, and an amount of ruthlessness. Hmm. Neat. Uh, and then Fortuna is... Well, that's clearly a red sauce that you put on linguine. <laughs> no, no, with, with tuna. Oh. Oh, 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 oh. It's four tuna. It says it in the name. Um, <laughs> you uncultured swine. Uh, it's the Fortuna is the goddess of fortune and the personification of luck. So I just, you know, the, the episode title for this one and the next one, uh, very interesting. And uh, when you think about the episode as a whole, somehow they're able to tie the title back into the episode, which is just wonderful. Yeah. yeah. It's genius filmmaking right there. Hell yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, well, finally, we actually, at the beginning of episode three, we finally get a look into another park. Oh. Yeah. Uh, dubbed The Raj. The Raj. The Raj. Yeah. yeah. So good. It's, it's based and, on British colonial India. Yeah. And, and that is confirmed to be park six. Oh. The Raj is part six. Yeah, um, I don't know if you saw the if you watched the the previously on Westworld um, the the lead in uh, it had the callback to the season premiere where Stubbs said, "Yeah, we have Bangles in Park Six, so oh, okay, yeah, yeah, Bangles are in in the Raj, and so Westworld." Um, I was doing a little research. Uh, Westworld is the first park. Okay. Um, um, I don't know where Shogun World falls in that list, but the Raj was the new the, the latest one at Park Six. Okay. <laughs> So there's still three undiscovered worlds, essentially. Yes, that's I can't... super exciting. Am I the only one that needs to buy the soundtrack to this series? Yeah, that's great. Oh, I've Just been the... listening to season one on repeat on Amazon Music. Yeah, the uh, but the, the sitar version of uh, Seven Nation Army was fucking great. No, oh, dude, God. and I called <laughs> it. I called it out Roman. while we were watching it because I was like, the tune sounds familiar, and then once <laughs> they finally like got into the main riff of it i was like oh that's so yeah. cool yeah but i loved it just the subtlety of it you know playing seven nation arm i don't know but yeah no it was great no yeah anyway uh but yeah so we we get to look at, at the raj british india all that um and just not right off the bat the that one the new chick i don't have have they said her name yet her, her name there was grace yes grace okay which i think we can uh, assume that 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 is her name and, well, uh, 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 no. let's get yeah. Okay, <laughs> so right. starting off, it's it's Grace, right? Grace, and then handsome British guy Nicholas, Nicholas, who she just fucking shoots in the chest and then bangs him. 
I call that a, a good Tuesday night. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, we've all been there. Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought uh, was very interesting to prove his humanity. Yeah, and she, <laughs> and she had a an arsenal of guns yeah. ready for this. And she, he was also very lucky that she decided to shoot him at that moment of time and not right. 10 minutes later. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, um, I, 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 I dug the whole aesthetic of the Raj. I, I thought that, you know, elephants, that was cool. But I yeah. just want to see those elephants start stomping people. <laughs> but I guess, and this is all within the cold open. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They're at, yeah. They, they get to some campsite and Grace notices that something's off. And the hosts are off their normal loops. So you at least know that Grace has been in the Raj quite a few times to notice yeah. that that they're off their loops. So yeah, well, they, they find the two dead guests and a host holds them at gunpoint. And even even before that, when she, she and Nicholas are starting to hook up and she sees how attractive he is, She's like, oh, you know, you look like you're from her inner. And he says, well, do you think they go to the trouble of trying to make me act like I'm not? And she's like, I wouldn't put past anyone. It's clear she's got insider information. Yeah. Yeah. She has that notebook on the table that she kind of hides. And we get a glimpse of it. Did you guys happen to pause that and look at that? Yeah, no, there's but, the but... there is the the recurring Double symbol, double oh, like the overlapping oh, yeah, hexagon yeah, yeah. symbol yeah. in her notebook, and yep. it is also on the screen. Uh, I believe later in this episode when Bernard is working on a computer or something. So yeah. I think that's the like how the maze was basically the symbol for the the maze. Mm-hmm. I believe that's the door, uh, that, and that's and that's and that that's the whole theme for this season is the door that yeah. that's the game that's being played so so she's also hunting the door for some reason so as that all unfolds she has a nice run in with a bengal tiger mm-hmm. that thing looked awesome yeah yeah i know that was all cg but that looked awesome yeah, yeah. It, he chases her to the park boundary which is the first time we're ever seeing something like that and it yeah, even announces and... you're leaving the game field or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we also see that hosts can freely come and go too. If that tiger was a host. Right. Well, I, and I, I would, I would assume that's, that's now with the new rules in play that they wouldn't yeah. have been able to do that before. More on that in a little bit. And she kind of, yeah. she kind of seemed where to get, to know where to go. Yeah. Right. Right. Like she knew where to escape to real quick about the Bengal tiger. I just thought it was, I have so many things to say about the visuals of of these two episodes because they both have just some of the best visuals of the series so far. Um, but the Bengal tiger, when it was in the brush and you hear it, and I think they did that very much like you would probably stumble. Hopefully you don't, but if you were to stumble across a Bengal tiger in the wild, it's hidden amongst the brush. You really only see its eyes. Mm-hmm, I thought that was yeah. fucking. I thought that was fucking great. Yeah, that that tiger was really cool to to look at and the way it moved. Yeah. Some some really good CGI, you know, right at the get go. Grace fucking bossing it up, going head to head with a goddamn tiger with a well, she got the double barrel shotgun. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, she kind of fumbled to load her revolver, but she got one shot off. Unfortunately. The animal tax tackles her off the cliff. That tiger went tiger. <laughs> and then we get the opening credits. <laughs> Great cold open. Um, so after that, what it cuts back uh, the two weeks later, right? Yeah. yeah. 
Bernard. The security forces are escorting Bernard. Uh-huh. They meet up with Charlotte. Yeah. She's like, oh, I didn't think you'd live through that. Yeah, that was the way that she's she worded that was very strange. I think this is a little bit post when we've already seen them together. Yeah. Oh no, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. So there's big yeah, there's there's chunks of time missing mm-hmm. uh in between these encounters. Well, I think she she's obviously still under the impression that he's human and you know, she said, I didn't think you had it in you, which I think it's, it's, it goes towards that whole Delos corporation thing of the, the people in creative um, or the programmers, they're pussies, you know, right. they're not, they're not security. They're not, you know, so yeah, I, I mean, I could kind of see where she would have that attitude. I don't agree with it, but you know. Yeah. She questions him as to the location of Peter Abernathy, the MacGuffin. I guess. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The entire season so far. But it's very interesting to see the way that their interaction takes place. Yeah, the, yeah, I love the line that she says that he keeps slipping away from us, which can obviously be used for both Peter and Ab- Abernathy and for Bernard because he keeps slipping away as well. Mm-hmm. You know, they flash back to a little over a week earlier as Charlotte and Bernard spot uh, uh, what's his name? Rebus? Yes. Rebus yeah. and, and his gang holding a group of people captive Including Peter Abernathy. Yep. Because they're all in their suit and formal wear and stuff like that. And Abernathy is somehow masquerading as a guest. How I fucking just, confused were those people? Actually, that was, so <laughs> that was one of the that was one of the funniest moments when he uh, a reprogrammed Rebus to be super virtuous and the greatest shot ever in the park. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and he saves all of them, and then the lady runs off, and he runs off after, like, hold on, I'll save you! <laughs> yeah. so get away from me! Well, I mean, Jesus Christ. And that and that, that moment, that calls back the episode one moment on the beach, where he's like, that's no yeah. way to treat a lady before he Absolutely. gets shot. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. It's so great. Yeah. I hope we see more of him. Oh, I'm sure we're gonna see more. That was the first time that we've seen someone hardwire into a host. Yeah. yeah, which and opens up a bunch of possibilities. And just how easy it is to alter everything they have. Yeah. Completely flip him to the opposite of how he was programmed before. <laughs> but as Charlotte and Bernard are trying to get Abernathy away from those uh, Confederados soldiers, mm-hmm. Abernathy reverts to an older menacing narrative. He confronts the Confederados... Uh, and yeah. he starts, starts saying, singing. like, I will stand in defiance, fight, even if it costs me my life. Yeah, that was Which... so strange. And then uh, Charlotte uh, skedaddles on a horse. Mm-hmm. And the soldiers take Bernard and Abernathy. Yeah, the, the, the actor who plays Peter Abernathy is amazing. Oh, yeah, he's great. He totally sells being a malfunctioning robot. And that shit is hard to do. Yeah, yeah, and he throughout throughout this episode, he's unbelievably good at making you believe that he's short. He's short circuiting. Yeah, I I just I like the way they do it. How it's not just like you know sparks flying out or something like that. It just you know what I mean. It's it's an interesting way to at a certain spinning around or anything. At a certain point, he's he's laying on a bed after he's in the Confederados uh, like headquarter thing where Dolores has holed up after episode two. And he starts reciting King Lear to her. I mean, let's let's talk about Dolores. Uh, yes, because you know, we she's we revisit her in this episode, and she's 
fucking terrifying. Yeah. This episode, because I know I had stated in our last episode when we were discussing Westworld that I wasn't crazy about Dolores and her storyline. But in this episode, she really sold me on the character and her motivations and everything she's doing. This might be my favorite episode of Dolores. Wow. Yeah. So far, yeah, I could see that. Like, of, she, of the series, not yeah. just in season one. Hmm. She's trying to make a, like, treaty with the Confederados. And she gives them, as a peace offering one of the modern guns that uh, the Delos QA department is using. I can all, all I can see is the RCP 90 from GoldenEye. <laughs> well, that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he, and he falls in love with it. So he takes her on and then she initiates, uh, put all your guys in front of my guys. And, Operation human shield. Yeah. And, <laughs> And she lets them all die. Oh my fucking does she? Holy shit. Yeah. But I just like that, you know, they, they have the Delos guys coming over the field with their high tech weapons and they're just, you can Not see it in giving all the soldiers. A fuck. Like, oh fuck, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they take out maybe like maybe one or two of the QA people and then it's just like rain, like even after they've started firing, but they just keep on coming and it's like, oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she warned them. Space man yeah. from the future. <laughs> she told them how many people there were. They, you know, they didn't necessarily believe her. I guess for, for the Confederados, it might have just been like, "Here comes Astronaut Jones." You know, <laughs> uh, when the all-terrain vehicles showed up, that's when they were like, "Huh, mm -hmm. <laughs> what? What is that? Maybe we shouldn't be fighting that." <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, since the since the end of last season, that's kind of one of the thing, one of the money shots that I've been waiting for for this season was QA going on a fucking killing spree on these fucking hosts, and and we got it. Yeah, we fucking got it. <laughs> yeah, and then and then apparently, with all of the higher thinking that Dolores does, she did not think to like uh, watch her back. <laughs> like she didn't have anybody <laughs> on her six, <laughs> and uh, they were able to just kind of sneak in, grab her father after a very heart wrenching scene with him, and uh, take him away. That that's a whole thing I wanted to talk about is she realizes that she is a machine and that this world isn't real. And yet these memories of her, you know, quote unquote father are still affecting her so much. What do you, what do you guys think of that? that um, even though she has the ability to understand that it's not real, that it's still programmed into her. I mean, I think you just basically said what it is. I mean, that she's she's got the new programming, the Wyatt programming, but the Dol much like we said about the previous two episodes, like she's still got the Dolores programming there, and she can't just ignore however many years he was the role of Peter Nabernathy um, for her. Um, yeah, and I think it's I think it's um, a commentary on l love. Because they're kind of doing a similar thing with Maeve and her daughter, even though right. we haven't seen Maeve reach her daughter yet. Um, it's a similar thing where it's just like, maybe they're trying to say that it doesn't matter what you are quote-unquote programmed to do, love will conquer. Well, even in that episode, they had um, Maeve and Hector. Yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Exactly. So, but even before we move on from this, right. I want to talk about the scene where Bernard unlocks all of the encryption codes inside Abernathy's head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And he has that moment where he turns and I guess whatever he's trying to find comes out for a second when he's talking to him and then he goes back into malfunctioning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that uh that yeah. symbol that symbol was there again. Yep. Yeah. And it's like a um they basically programmed like a like a veil over the IP that they're trying to get out of the park. So, like, anybody who would just maybe plug into him, you know, just some random field technician isn't going to really know what's going on. Yeah. But Bernard, obviously, having been, like, number two in the park for so long, is able to identify what's actually happening inside of his head. Yeah, I totally agree with that. So that, I mean, that was really interesting. And I really liked uh, the Dolores and Bernard... um, back and forth a little bit. Yeah. That was cool. And this this echoes back to me starting to like Dolores again. I don't know if it's just because of the actual Dolores side of her personality is starting to take over. Yeah, I mean, it it, it could be, because when she's just the full-blown Terminator, uh, it's not necessarily compelling, even though she's doing a great job, like the actress is doing a great job as full-blown Terminator, it's not necessarily a compelling thing to watch. Exactly. Right. <laughs> right. But um, when she falls back into Country Bumpkin Dolores, <laughs> you know, she's she's really adept at that, too, and she's super charming and fascinating to hear her word things a certain way and just how she talks and all of that. Yeah, Evan Rachel Wood, like, is Killing so it. dynamic... Yeah. in this role, and it's great to see her flip back and forth between the Wyatt personality and the Dolores personality. Mm. Yeah, going back to the um, to what you said about you know her and Bernard, it's it's fascinating to see the the power dynamic that has changed between them. That you know he was you know the not QA, but you know he was the programmer. He was the one kind of in, in control of her, and now he doesn't have any power over her anymore. Yeah, and she was almost yeah. leading the conversation with him. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what was what was the line? Something like, you know, we never know death, but we're fighting to live. And so... yeah, she said something like, "We we can't die, uh, but yet we're <coughs> fighting to live," or something like that. And it was it was really uh, powerful. They kind of hovered over it for a minute so it can actually hit you, and then they moved on. Yeah. As we are. No. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so they, they pop into the back, they grab Abernathy, and they get him out after Dolores is like, oh, I don't fucking think so, and walks out and starts wasting the Dallas guys while taking two bullets, like <laughs> shrugging them off like it's nothing, like the T-1000. Yeah, she went full-blown like, Terminator again. Yeah. And I, I, I couldn't believe that as soon as the first guy got shot, the driver didn't just go, oh, someone just got shot. I'm getting the fuck out of here. It had to take Charlotte to say, hey, hit the fucking gas. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, let's see how this plays out. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, oh, well, it's the park, right? Nothing new. Oh, my God, he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, right, right. We're not. Well, yeah, we, we should get out of here. So now they have Abernathy. Yeah. But at some point, because we've seen two weeks into the future, they lose him again. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see fucked. what happens. But Dolores immediately orders Teddy to split up the horde and find her father. Oh, yeah. 
And then she wants Teddy to kill the guy. Yeah, uh, Major Craddock. Yep, and Teddy doesn't have it in him. Because he's still following his programming. Yeah, and then she kind of gives him a look like a disappointed parent. That sucked for Teddy. Yeah, so, and and it's just interesting because... Earlier, Dolores had just got done saying to Teddy that, that he's the only one she has left yep. because she lost her father. And now he's as good as floating down the river, like in episode one. Call, call, call back, yeah. yeah. You mean in a flood? <laughs> <laughs> well, do you think it was Dolores that's going to put him down? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I, yeah, I think it. so. And then she's just going to full-on T-1000? Yeah. And then uh, the next thing that we get is uh, Maeve... And Hector and and Lee Sizemore, right? Yep. And yeah, they hunted they, by the station. Oh, that was awesome. Uh, yeah. And Maeve tries to use her commands with yeah. no effect. Did no work. What is uh, what is the deal with Ghost Nation? What is happening? Because so, what I've gathered is they're only interested in grabbing humans, like guests. Yeah. They have no problem killing other hosts in order to get to them. Right. So it makes me wonder if, like, that was their programming because they were one of the last additions to the park from Ford. Right. They're like a failsafe almost. Maybe. Yeah. I've seen that way. What do you guys think? I don't know. I honestly have no idea. I have no idea what the plan is. It's fascinating and they're terrifying because they are silent and they just pop up on you. But I don't know what the what the plan like I can't I can't even fathom what the plan is for them. Uh one of my coworkers, Joe, a listener of the show, actually pointed out to me Shout out to Joe. Hey Joe <laughs> Hey Joe, call in for now for Mate Alga. <laughs> he pointed out to me that possibly Elsie could have been controlling them. Mm. And mm. that theory was later kiboshed. So yeah, I guess yeah, I we'll, we'll wait to see <laughs> what happens with Ghost Nation. Maeve, Hector, and Sizemore managed to make it underground. Yes, in like the nick of and time. They found the <laughs> <laughs> they oh did. my god! Oh, that was awesome. Armistice. She's back. With a, with a fucking flamethrower. Fucking dragon. <laughs> that was great. Because I like you see the guy on fire and you're like, is it a host? It, yeah. Oh, no. No, yeah, no. that's a guy. With a machine gun. Oh, no. <laughs> but yeah, so she shows back up and she leads them to a lab where we find Felix and Sylvester. Yes. Still alive. Yeah. Our two favorite cartoon cats. I mean, uh, lab techs. Got a grenade pinned under his chin, and she's yeah to shut got him. Got the, a new arm. to shut him the fuck up. Yeah. That's why he's got a grenade under his chin because he's just like grenade. <laughs> if he grenade. moves his fucking head, the whole place goes up in smoke. So that was a brilliant, brilliant way to get him to shut his mouth. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yes, she got a new arm. Yes, it has a little yeah. walker arm. <laughs> but it's but her whole body is a robot. So it's like, is that really a robot arm? Or is it just an <laughs> arm? You know? <laughs> but yeah, so they uh, they get back up onto the surface because they can hear, I don't know if it's QA coming their way or what, um, and make their way into the... Isn't it the, the, 
the Klondike. The Klondike. So I don't know if, the, if that if that's a whole other park, the Klondike, or if that's. I just, believe uh, I believe uh, it's insinuated that they are still in Westworld, but it's supposed to be like obviously in a mountain with it's like, like snow right. And he shit. said it was the northernmost part, right? It's like the tip of it. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But but that other also day. beckons back to the very beginning when we saw the Bengal tiger cross over yeah. into the another park. So it's entirely possible that. This is right on the edge of each park. Right. Right. I mean, for what happens next, it certainly seems like it. Sizemore finds a severed head in the snow. But not just any severed head, Jordan. He recognizes that it's armor. (laughs) But what kind of armor, Jordan? (laughs) Samurai armor. And my brain exploded. So Sizemore, like, rushes up to warn everyone... We got a boogie gang. (laughs) And of course, nobody pays attention to him. No. And then all of a sudden, we see a fucking samurai charge at them. (laughs) God damn it. And Uh, crash cut to black. Credits. Just you see that shadow and then just. Yeah. And then Maeve's face was just like, oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. He has a sword. Like, just, I hope my commands work. Right. Yeah. Like, as soon as the credits hit on, on this episode, I was like, that's my favorite episode of the series. Wow. Immediately. Um, and then episode four happened. <laughs> if right. only there were a designated time where we could hear about episode four. <laughs> well, I'm glad you asked that, Robert. Because we're going to start discussing episode four, The Riddle of the Sphinx, right now. As good as as good as the previous episode one, this one was even better. Um, Man, this and that, that that's a hard act to follow because that was a fucking great episode. But, this uh, this episode was fin- like it could have just been a short film. Yeah, that's how yeah. Good it was. It's the filmmaking, the, the direction, the storytelling, the acting. It was all on you know all cylinders, hitting the ground running. It's yeah. great, and it was it was directed by Lisa Joy, who is her. the co showrunner with her husband Jonathan Nolan. Nice, and her, it, was it is her, her directorial f- debut. Nice. Oh, she knocked it out of the park. <laughs> she fucking killed it. Yeah. it you know, it, it really. Um, so the way you, you know, it opens with uh, the, like just again the visual, just perfectly centered, um, a futuristic record player. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just I thought that was great. And then we see this, you know, the, the, the entire circular span around the room that ends up being circular. It was I, a motif throughout the entire absolutely. room. Everything everything was either cylindrical or circular. Yeah. Everything. And, very postmodern. And it's very yes. interesting. I kind oh. of picked up on this on one of the records. It kind of looked like the maze design. A little bit. Yeah, nice. a little bit of that. Yeah. I get the feeling that that player wasn't actually a record. It was like, you know, kind of a digital thing that it was just reading the digital information on whatever that thing was just to make it look like it was a record player. Cause the occupant of that room who he saw was Jim Delos. You know, he's an older guy. So he would know about records. Yeah. You know, the, the first song that plays, I think it was a Rolling Stones song. Yep. So, which great song, by the way. Um, it's very but, interesting uh, because of the way that they opened this up. I immediately drew a connection to the season two opening of Lost, uh, I'm glad you said that. Thank and I, yeah, yeah, 
so I'm I'm totally drawing exactly. parallels from Desmond Hume being yep. in the hatch yep. to Jim Delos in this kind of going about a really daily routine exercising just like you know Desmond yeah. did and yeah it was oh yeah I, I saw that too man it was crazy and Lisa Joy has said that that was not intentional but JJ Abrams is a right. executive producer of this so I I mean I, it might not have been intentional but it, it's definitely it's I don't know. it's eerily similar. Yeah. Right. No, they they definitely it's coincidentally they are yeah. uh, similar, but it is it was not out of design that they became right. similar. And then we uh, we see that he has first <laughs> has again just uh, you know so, something that that Game of Thrones also did that earlier this uh, in their most recent season where they had something that looked like it was going into something else. <laughs> like he's Jim is jacking off in bed, and then he pours the the cream into the coffee. I was just like, yep. oh, that was a nice, interesting little transition there. But yep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I knew immediately from when his hand started shaking, I yep. drew parallels to Bernard's hand shaking. So I was yeah. like, oh, he's a host. Yeah. 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 And, and boy, Surprise. I, I actually didn't, I thought it might've been part of the, the affliction that they referenced in episode two. Yeah. That's what I, was I, I definitely I didn't think he was a host. I definitely uh I noticed that the hand tremor was similar to Bernard, but have them having told us that he was sick in some way, there was like an air of maybe this isn't like you, you weren't sure which way it was tipped. At least I wasn't sure which way it was going yeah. to tip. Yeah. No, I, I I was there too with you, Robert. Um and Andrew. Um uh and of course once William shows up Mm. Um, and then he, they have a conversation. They're talking about establishing a baseline. I thought it still could be that that they're establishing a baseline to try and save him, save his consciousness. Right. right. You know. Uh, but when he put down the paper and slid it across, I was like, "Oh, that's going to be. It's going to be just what he just said, isn't it? You know. Mm-hmm. Um, that and, that's where that's where it clicked for me. But and William, um, when he asks him what this is about. Or what yeah. this is for, William says, fidelity. Fidelity, yeah. yeah. And and that means the degree of exactness with which something is copied or reproduced. So when he says fidelity, I was like, wait, what? So I had to look it up, and then I, you know, obviously you're like, oh, got it. Yeah, and William basically says to him that Delos isn't stable enough to leave the research facility. Yeah. So again, it it plays up the what you guys were thinking, like, oh well, maybe it's just his affliction. Right. Yeah. Let's talk about the title of the episode: the Riddle of the Sphinx. The Riddle mm-hmm. of the Sphinx. And what? Yes, uh, and what is the, the Riddle uh, of the Sphinx? The most. I mean, the most common known. It was uh, what Oedipus? No, yeah. Harry Potter. <laughs> right, Harry Potter. Excuse me. But the question that he posed to Oedipus was, uh, "What walks?" You know, I'm paraphrasing. What walks on four feet in the morning, two in the afternoon, and three at night? Yes. And the common answer is man. Mm-hmm. You know, beginning of life, you crawl on all fours, and in middle of life, you walk on two legs, and three, you walk with a cane. Whoa! Oedipus was <laughs> the one who gave the answer as simply as man. That is yeah. deep. It is. <laughs> but they're they're really stuff. pulling out like some really deep metaphors behind the episode titles yeah. yeah which i know a lot of shows do but specifically westworld this season has been knocking it out of the park yeah yeah 
So what we show oh, uh, the ghost nation. Yeah. Well, so that, that, that scene's that scene ends with William sliding the paper and then we get just a smash cut to the next scene. Um, of them getting carried away. Uh, yeah. Uh, Grace. Grace and uh, to the ghost nation. You see, we see two of the, two of the guests from the first, the first episode of the series, mm-hmm. uh, the husband and mm-hmm. wife who, uh, who first saw the malfunctioning sheriff, uh, and then yeah. and then took part in the um, the shootout with uh, Hector's uh, Hector's heist, and so we see now that they have they've been in the park for a while, um, and now they're they're prisoners of the Ghost Nation as well. Technical prisoners. Yes. Technical. <laughs> well, when when you're you're basically hands are bound and you're being led by a pole that you're uh, attached or a large stick that you're attached to, I would consider that prisoner. And yeah. was Stubbs next to her? Was that? Yeah, yeah, yeah it was okay. Stubbs. He, yeah, they throw her next to Stubbs. Yes, and he's getting yelled at by that old woman. <laughs> but it turns out but Grace it... actually speaks the language of the Ghost Nation. That's how many times she's been in the park. Okay. And Ghost Nation's so new, though. <laughs> yeah, it's very weird. Well, I mean, it could. I mean, it could be a real. Native American language, and she just knows it. Yeah. And, no, I, well, maybe, but the way that 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 conversation went, Stubbs was like, "You've been in the park so often that you know the mm-hmm. the language." And she goes, "I pay attention to the parts of the narrative that other people don't. I don't like other people." So, yeah. it seems to me that as soon as the Ghost Nation was part of the narrative, she went in and and just went deep diving into the the Ghost Nation. She said something about time or something or other, like she's picking it up. So yeah, I guess it makes. She's not fluent. So, so Clementine <laughs> drags Bernard uh, to the mouth of the cave where he discovers Elsie Hughes. Elsie Watch is over! We can conclude Elsie Watch. Yes. Elsie Watch Elsie is Watch. over. Over. Good night, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. So I'm really glad that she's back. Yes. Yeah. For now. She, she was yeah. one of my favorite characters in season one. Absolutely. So, and and Bernard admits that he's a host. Yeah, well, he doesn't. He doesn't admit it per se. He they they have some interaction where she you know realizes that he did choke her out, uh, and he tries to tell her that that was Ford's orders. But once he starts malfunctioning, yeah, she's like, "Oh fuck!" <laughs> she's like, "You're no. a host." <laughs> she takes it surprisingly well, though. Yeah. Well, she's got, well, she even... she's got a really analytical mind, the character, so she immediately yeah. went through the logic of it. She was like, no, you, you rotated out. You have a wife. Oh, you had a backstory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's interesting, too, because she even says she prefers uh, the hosts to people. Yeah. So, and it's, it's funny because all of the techs that we kind of meet, like, they're nicer to the hosts and they get along with the hosts yeah. a little bit more than well, yeah. other human beings. They spend the most time with them. Yeah. Know? They, know how they, they know how they work. They know yeah. everything about their internal workings, so they just probably feel more comfortable talking to them as opposed to like another human who who's going to probably just be a dick to them because they're all nerds. Right. We, we do have to, or I have to start a new watch now, though. This is now becoming Elsie Death Watch. Yeah. Uh, oh no! Because oh, no. because I have a horrible feeling that because we did not see her at the very beginning of the season when it's the full two weeks later, um, and that we do- have not seen her in in spots where that takes place since, that she probably dies, which would suck. But 
I'm okay that we've at least found her. Yeah. She didn't die when we thought she did. No, there were a lot of red herrings this episode about that, I think. Yeah. I yeah. think they're play, playing off of people's uh, people's need to know what happened to Elsie to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, now we're going to kill her. Na- nope, nope, now nope. we're going to kill her. Nope, <laughs> nope, 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 now. <laughs> In where they are, uh, Bernard has to, like, go through a series of memories or flashbacks. Holy shit, that was amazing. To, f- uh, when- to, to figure out where to go, like, or what to do next. Um, yeah. He's, his brain is damaged, so he needs to keep getting the shots of the. Yeah, he basically like cortical fluid. He basically watches I wrote, I wrote like brain a brain juice in my notes. He like watches a ghost run of what he did last time he was there to know where to go next. Yeah, <laughs> and he noticed he watches himself turn a rock on the wall to enter a secret lab, and they are in sector twenty two. They point out, and then we've very clearly are told that they are in lab number 12. And it has that door, that door symbol again, that double yes, the hexagon. Yeah. yeah. Well, Hey, uh, Rob, what's the uh, significance of 2212? Yes, please go into that, Rob. The significance of 2212 is a, it's a well-known Bible verse wherein Abraham passes God's test by being willing to sacrifice his son. I, I just, it's inter- it's at least interesting to point out that that's a thing considering what happens later on in the episode I feel like. But it's just interesting to point out that that mentions God's game, yeah, so to speak, yes. and yeah. we're getting Ford's game. Yeah. So is Ford God in this? Yeah. Te- I believe so. Technically, yeah. yeah. Well, it doesn't I mean Dolores even says something kind of to that effect in the early at one point, right? In the early in the previous episode, she mentions something about a god and all that, and I assume she's talking about Ford. Yeah, about how yeah. like they th- they think that they're gods or something, or they play god. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the the way that Bernard saw everything, it just reminded me of, that he's playing the weirdest game of Lost Souls I've ever seen. <laughs> um, but I just want to talk about how artsy yeah. that that decision was to to set that up that way. He couldn't recognize which was the past, which is the future, and which is the present. Right. And because he's seeing everything from, like, an outside perspective. Yeah. Which is awesome. He's watching his past self go through those motions again. Right. Right. Um, And and there's basically three... I guess there's three or four different time frames that he's watching. Yeah. Like, because he's watching himself originally go there, and then there's, like, a second time, and then he's there now, but then he also had to watch himself with Elsie to get to where he needed to go. Yeah. Like... Because he constantly... He asked himself at one point, is this now? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I went, holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, so... From there, I guess we, we see the man in black and Lawrence. Oh, god damn it, yeah. Jesus fucking Christ. This was this was Williams this was Williams biggest episode yet. Yes. Cuz you know between his his interactions with Jim Delos over the years that we that we see and we'll talk more about but um and then with him just with his progression in uh was it Las Cruces something like that? Is that the name of the town? Uh Las Mutas? Oh, Las Mutas. Okay. Um yeah. This is so so great. 
Can we talk about the when they're building the railroad? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that was great. <laughs> and instead of using wooden beams, they're using people. Well, they ran ra they ran out of railroad ties, so you got to use the, the fucking guests. And Jesus, like, just the one guy when he's like, get off of me, and he fucking... Yes. Drives the spike through his mouth. Yeah, he was like, uh, he was like, uh, hold this. I mean, what was up with uh, William and Lawrence? They didn't think they were in any danger, really. You know? No, yeah, they were just kind of passing through. Mm -hmm. the, huh. the one guy, the one guy gave uh, one of the one of the railroad workers gave the man in black a stink eye, yeah. almost as to say, like, "Hey, is this guy human?" You know. <laughs> Yeah, he was Can like, uh, he was like, if this guy doesn't keep moseying on, I'm going to use him as a railroad tie. <laughs> mm -hmm. But uh, he mentions that the, the tracks aren't going the right direction anymore, right? Right. Right, and he said that there's more than one player in this game, so I, that'll be interesting to see where that goes. Where that Well, I think, I think that also has something to do with their outside of their loop at this point, because that's why they probably ran out of railroad... Mm. Ties. Yeah. So now they don't really know exactly where which to go. Direction they should be going. <laughs> but they know yeah. they have to keep laying railroad ties. That's crazy. God damn it. <laughs> That's I awesome. Using... Hope that. God, hope that's... that. Hope we come back to. Or not we like the. But like the show. the show comes back to that. But yeah, so they're back. They're in uh, Las Mutas, and Craddock's kind of fucking with all the townsfolk. Who you guys got an elder of this town? <laughs> Do you think there's going to be this big moment and he just <laughs> fucking blows him away right there? Oh, and he's like talking to the guy. He's like, oh, you need a steady hand for your line of work. Talking to the bartender and he puts the nitroglycerin <laughs> on the back of his hand. Uh, was absolutely not cool either. Yeah. <laughs> fucking yeah, you did it. Blam. Although I will say the visuals, again, so as the bartender is walking with the shot of nitro... And you could see his face reflected through, or refracted, I guess, through the shot glass. I thought that was fucking great cinematography. Yeah. Yeah, this entire episode, like, Lisa Joy did such a good job conveying different shots and different emotions just through visuals. Yeah. It's fucking fantastic. I can't praise this episode enough. Yeah. Uh, Craddock's targeting Lawrence and his wife. Right. And, and he's having her, like, force... Like he's having her like walk the grounds with the nitro. Oh, well, and then before, this cause... kind of triggers the man in black to think back to the night Juliet committed suicide. Right. But here it, it shows like someone in a bathtub at home cut her wrist. Cut her wrists. Yeah. So I don't know if this is a misdirect or if this is actually what happened to her. I don't think it's a misdirect. And uh I think, you know, well, we'll we'll get we'll come back to it with, with the big reveal at the end of the episode. But uh, okay, okay. Yeah. But um, but in the town, uh, so William goes complete shit house on all of the Confederados. The whole speech he gives. Yeah. Oh, Craig. When uh, Craig's like, "Oh, death is shining upon me," blah blah blah, and he's just you don't even know. Death is right here looking at you, and sitting right across from you this whole time. So fucking great. Uh, that is such. This episode had, you know, it had your your deep cerebral moments and your moments of like, oh, this mystery, and then you just had this fucking badass western shootout with the man in black. It's like it had everything. <laughs> he put he pours the nitro into Major Craddock's mouth after stabbing him in the fucking face with a broken bottle and wasting his army. Oh. 
<laughs> so cool. He's just like, oh, run up, and he pours it down his throat and blows his head over. off. He walks over to uh, Lawrence, and he yeah. I believe this belongs to you. Yep. Hands <laughs> gun and fucking blows Craddock the fuck up. Lama. I thought it was. I thought it was interesting how Major Craddock's kind of whole attitude and demeanor and the way he was screwing with all the townsfolk it kind of mirrored the man in black from last season when he was doing the same thing when he was dancing yeah with Lawrence's wife and all that yeah so i think he kind of had a moment of realization there yeah yeah well, i mean ford doesn't ford talk ford talks to him he does through through, yeah. through Lawrence's daughter again yeah yeah, yeah. He says, I know who you are, William. One good deed does not change that. Yeah. And he's like, what, what, what good deed? I was just... Is there, just I'm not looking game. for redemption. Yeah. Yeah, I think... Yeah. One good deed does not redeem you. And he says, I'm not looking for redemption. Yeah, yeah he's like, yeah. I'll play your game to the bone. So great. And Ford tells him, if you're looking forward, you're looking in the wrong direction. Yep. Which, uh, fucking, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I've kind of got a theory on yeah, this, but right, let's good. let's let's circle back yeah. and talk about uh, the rest of the LC Bernard stuff. Well, before sorry, before we do that, we have to say that throughout the episode, we kept going back to Jim Delos. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and uh, you see William starting to go grayer and grayer. A little bit. Yep. You notice that. We get we get the uh, the second time. So there's three times total. The second time, uh, it's still uh, is it Jimmy Simpson? Yes, Jimmy yes. Simpson, uh, as William. So the younger William, um, but he admits to Jim that this it's been seven years. You're not in California anymore. Uh, I guess I didn't make it, did I? Yeah, no. Your your wife didn't make it either. Uh, you know, so yeah. Mandela starts uh, to glitch out, which was awesome. Yeah. Doesn't he tell him that Logan also didn't make it? Yep. That was late. That was later when. That was yeah. the third one. Yeah. Okay. Well, at that time, he was talking about uh, his granddaughter, I believe. Yeah. Right. That that was like a couple decades yeah. had passed. Yeah. There's there's definitely a bridge between Jimmy Simpson and uh, Ed Harris. So <laughs> William leaves the room. And we see that it's a gigantic circular chamber. Just mm-hmm. like the rest of the other rooms in the Westworld. Uh, yeah. Delos underground service area, I guess you'd call it. Yeah, the, in, yeah. In, in kind of the tech rooms where they would have the different hosts. Yeah. Um, it looked very similar to that kind of setup. Yep. Yeah, William gives the go-ahead to terminate his father-in-law. And we see the room is entirely engulfed in flames. Yeah. And all of that furniture goes up as well. All that post-that's postmodern bullshit. <laughs> also, do you guys the song that they play in the beginning, it's the Rolling Stones, uh, Play With Fire. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh that was I didn't even pick up on that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. So Everything they, about this episode is so deep. They told there's, you right from the beginning what was gonna happen. There's layers and layers. Um so, but from here, we go and we see the Ghost Nation mm-hmm. still with Stubbs and Grace and the other humans. And this is that. This is the nighttime shot, right? Yes. Yeah. They're being led uh, led to an area along the river. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, so she's trying to speak to, I guess, the the Ghost Nation woman, and Grace is um, 
in her broken whatever language that is and there, she finds out that they're being taken to the first one whatever that means yeah 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 like like the first of us or whatever she's yeah yeah uh. so essentially it's their leader or, or is it or is it dolores is it you know she's the original uh who knows oh the way that scene played out i don't think that was what that ghost nation woman was referring to yeah. that's very interesting yeah holy yeah. shit but yeah so we see Stubbs about to be executed apparently uh, it was just it was what he what uh the leader said to him in plain english was uh it's the concept of the third death you're You'll, only alive you, until you're forgotten. Right. Yeah, which, you're, you live as long as the last person that remembers you. Right, yeah. It's, it's called the third death, where it's the first time you die is when your body ceases to function. The second death is when you're put in the ground. And the third death is the last time someone speaks your name. Hmm. And then you go into the next world and are reborn, some, some people think. But even before that, before uh the ghost nation guy approaches Stubbs. grace just hauls ass out of there smashes the guy with a torch and just leaves yeah, yeah. um <laughs> and they were so... all just like oh <laughs> <laughs> but uh what do you what do you guys think of uh think of what he said uh, I... <laughs> that's <laughs> but uh -huh. it's like it's it's so true and that they'll the humans will die but they can live on forever. The yeah. Humans are dead. They will technically never suffer the third death. But then they all disappeared. Yeah. yeah. That was the weirdest part. They all like magically like dipped out. Uh, again. In the nation. Yeah. Thanos snapped his fingers, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so now we have, now we got the timeline. <laughs> Cause the leader clearly knows like, I, or at least I feel like he, he, the leader of the Ghost Nation knows what's going on to an extent. Maybe, maybe. lean into well, stubs and but that is, that so you can you can assume. I know that uh, I like Brian's theory that they're bringing them to Dolores, but I don't know how that would play out. But we know that Dolores is like the first one, and Maeve is one of the first ones. So you can easily assume that perhaps this leader of Ghost Nation is one of the also first ones and we're seeing that the earlier created hosts are shedding their uh like programming and yeah. they're thinking on a higher level now like Maeve and Dolores who are like basically exercising free will they're getting woke right so you can Whoa. so you might you might be able to assume that this leader of Ghost Nation is also on that track. We just haven't seen enough of him to know that for sure. Uh, maybe. And th the only reason that I would put it back to maybe it's Dolores is that, you know, clearly Robert Ford set up this long con that this is the, he's, he's got the long con going even after his death. And if he somehow knew or had a good suspicion of where Dolores would end up as either Wyatt or Dolores, that the ghost nation were, was going to, eventually meet her there i don't know again it's all it's all up in the air bernard and elsie find stuff in that lab gotcha that okay. is important um, yeah bernard and elsie are in that lab and we bernard pieces together i guess the history of what he saw or what was going on yeah and he, we see the same 
uh, CPU Fabergé egg thing that from the first episode that they took out of one of the hosts' head, but we see it's red. Uh-huh. And the show itself has confirmed that the white ones are uh, hosts and the red ones are humans. Yeah, yeah. they're like plants. Um, and but then further than that, there's that those the red ball that is being created in there. Uh, they the show has de- dubbed those the pearl or pearls, mm. and that is where they store. The actual human consciousness. Awesome. Um, and Bernard pockets one. In the past. In his in, in, in the past, past yeah. Yeah. But yep. whose does he pocket? So Ford sent him there for a reason. Right. To basically because it showed it create it. Right. And then he pocketed it. Right. But and whose then, was it? Yeah. It's it's I feel like it has to do with William and the game yeah. and the door. Yeah. <laughs> so, do, I mean, so for, for me, and I know this is unrelated to the actual plot of the episode, but it's just the, the theory is that it seems as though in my head, Dolores and, and Ed Harris's William are on a collision course. Yes. yes, and it Again. seems to me that that is by design. Yes, I think so. And I think that that is the door that they keep talking about, and I think that is where Genesis twenty two twelve becomes relevant because mm. I think William is going to have to make a choice where he gets to choose eternal life with Dolores as William. Perhaps Jimmy Simpson, William, perhaps Ed Harris, William. I'm not sure which way or choose to not be immortal and die as a human as Ed Harris. Mm. I think that is the door and the choice. mm. See, I have back to the third death. I have a, a different theory on that. It does have to do with the Genesis thing and the Abraham thing. I believe the reason why William's wife, Juliet, killed herself is because maybe she had a miscarriage Oof. or they lost a son. They had a son and they lost it. So that consciousness is a host version of William's son. Wow. That's and deep. he's got to either sacrifice and destroy this creation. Wow. Or embrace it. So that's that's the the th- the thing that I'm seeing. Where well, I don't I'm think just that, curious. Yeah, I don't Where, think that there's anything that indicates that he has there's has not or had a son. There's not, and that's too a too literal reading of the Bible verse itself. It, but I'm the, just saying the they, point of the Bible still... verse is to is to point out the choice that he has to make between and and. The further point is that Robert Ford already knows what William is going to choose, but he has to make William make the choice. That those are both. I think those are both very interesting and as as credible as the other theories. Um, because it's the he says, if you're looking forward, you're looking in the wrong direction, right? Yeah. Right. And yeah. and it's the where your end is at the be, your beginning or whatever the right. hell that. 
And Lor- Dolores was the beginning of all of this for William. Right. So I think yeah. that that's the... That could be something, too, though, because the beginning of all of this for William to become the man in black could have started with Julia killing herself. I just they they've just started focusing on that. So I don't There's think time. that that's the There's long still time. We're no, I know that. Four. I just don't think that that's the long term. We we know a season and almost a season and a half deep about William and Dolores. So I think that is the decision because okay, the love there and that's the 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 through line through the season is that love and can you have that love and all of that kind of stuff. Like, I think oh. that's the through line, but we, you know, we have to discuss old yes, William di- talking to Jim Delos. Yes. So we get the third, the third iteration of, uh, the, the test between old yes. William and Jim Delos and where all the cards are on the table now. Yeah. It's the 149th time that they've brought Delos back. That's insane. And he's suffering from a cognitive plateau. His consciousness can't uh, accept the reality that it's in. Right. Like, that's where he, that's where the malfunction is, is that there's, there's a lack of acceptance and moving forward. Like, he can't process where, what's happened to him. Right. And that's where the brain keeps getting hung up. Right. And this is why I think that there's no, man in black host version because he says like that the project's a mistake and perhaps no one is meant to live forever. Yeah. Per- perhaps, but we don't perhaps. know who, whose pearl that was. That's true. Right. I'm not discounting your, your theory. I'm just no, saying, no, I'm just saying, like, that's the, the, once we answer those questions, we can figure out then the answer here. Mm-hmm. So as William leaves that time, uh, Jim loses it and starts shredding the fucking <laughs> circular room like a rock star. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, but 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 even before that, he reveals that his oh, uh, yeah. his wife Juliet killed herself. Yeah, and that Logan's dead. Yep, Logan yeah. OD'd on future heroin. <laughs> and that's that's when Delos starts. Because didn't yeah. he stand up and just start yelling, Logan? Yeah. Yeah, like he was like calling for him. <laughs> so the man in black leaves the quarantined room, and he tells the employee not to terminate, but rather to observe his uh, degradation. Right. And which brings us back to Bernard and Elsie. Right. Pressing forward into what we discover now is the same place, bathed in a hellish red light. <laughs> Good lord! <laughs> they open the door to the hellscape. and they and the the, my the most wonderful part about this sequence of events is that we know what they're going to discover we don't know what form of it we're they're going to discover but we know what they're going to discover they have no idea so the tension mounts in the opposite direction which is a lot of fun yeah Um, yeah and and there they find a visibly deteriorating james delos and so, so Jim Delos attacks Elsie, and Bernard tries to fight him off. Sheepishly. Yeah, because he's a fucking wiener. <laughs> <laughs> I like Bernard a lot, but it's in his programming to be kind of... That's, that's so great, Andrew. Uh, Bernard saves her, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, not much of a wiener now, huh, Andrew? <laughs> Who's the wiener now? 
<laughs> the wiener's on the other foot. <laughs> <laughs> but instead of delivering a final blow, Elsie winds up initiating the burn protocol or whatever. The true and hellscape. The actor that played Jim Dello. Dude, he's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Peter Mullen. Yeah. yeah. Mullen. He absolutely was unbelievably good. <laughs> yeah. At, yeah. I, at, 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 at somehow being like, he has to be a robot that's like embarrassed that it's not working. Right. He's like, frustrated. <laughs> right. Like, he's you have to play yeah. robotic frustration, but also trying to say words, but not. To like it's just everything that he did and whatever the direction that they gave him was was just phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. and and he's and he had to do it all through a thick Scottish accent. Well, that's that's like <laughs> that's his natural. actual that's his actual <laughs> yeah. accent. Oh yeah, I know. But but he made it so we could understand what he was actually saying. <laughs> but I've loved Peter Mullen ever since I saw him in Quarry, which is a Cinemax series. It's fantastic. Yeah. I can't recommend that show enough. And he was, a, a lot of stuff, he was right? also in Ozark, which is a Netflix original with Jason Bateman. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Yeah. Wasn't, he was also in, he was in like train spotting. I think he wasn't train spotting men and things like he's been in a lot of stuff. Yeah. So love the actor. Yeah. Phenomenal. Phenomenal job. He, he was like the, the crown jewel of this episode. He and yeah. uh, Jeffrey Wright doing Bernard, um, being confused and contorting and everything like the two of them are phenomenal at this. Yeah. (laughs) But again, it brings us back to, it was a William episode essentially. Absolutely. So, so after Elsie and Bernard leave there, it goes back to now William and Lawrence. Mm -hmm. And they're a little Uh, posse. So they're, uh, they're riding off into the sunset and and they come across someone riding in from the sunset. Again, the, the visuals just fucking great. Yeah. And you think it, it turns. You think it for turns a second, out. you think for a second that it might be Dolores. Yeah, yeah. And it turns out to be Grace, who we find out is actually William's daughter, and her name is Emily. Bum bum bum. And I love that they did not leave that open ended and hanging for longer than an episode, for at least two, like a, technically two episodes. Right. I love that they tighten that up they're like that's not the important thing that you're supposed to be paying attention to here right stop think pretending to think who that is this is who it is and that's it move on yeah i love that i love that and so to circle back hey hey circles to circle back to what i said earlier about you know the fact that she knows so much and she has the door the symbol of the door in her little grail diary Mm -hmm. you know now where are we going to see with this with uh, her and her father towards the same objective but perhaps competitors yeah they're probably they're, uh, they could obviously be on opposite sides of the door yeah. I, I, I immediately begin to wonder is, is Emily in the park to find and kill Dolores <laughs> ooh <laughs> wow because mm. Knowing she has to know the history of her wow. father. Oh but, shit! Um, and that, and then that could even be the decision oh, that William has to make: because my daughter or Dolores. Oh shit, dude! She so Emily as a kid approached Dolores. Yes, 
while, yeah. while on the grounds in the past from episode two, so she clearly would remember what Dolores looks like. Yep. Mm-hmm. She even suggests she comments, she's like, oh, you're really pretty. She comments on her, oh, my God. Shit. And so then it would not be a literal son, but perhaps a daughter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot going on, and I love it. And I'm excited for tonight's episode, which is episode five, which we will discuss in the future. Before we sign off, I just want to say, so now we know uh, the ultimate the ultimate goal of Delos now. We've been speculating. What, what was it? Was it blackmail? Was it just to find out how far people can go? And those are all involved with it, I'm sure. But we now know that the ultimate goal of Delos is immortality. Yep. Yeah. I'm Jordan. I'm Robert. I'm Andrew. I am Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. Enjoy, yeah, and uh, we'll uh, we'll see you guys next time to discuss more horribly nerdy topics. And um, we love you. Thank you for listening. Oh, and you love something. Yeah, it's new. So that was episode three. Covering Season 2, Episodes 3 and 4 of Westworld. We are in full-blown theory mode now. Which theory do you take more stock in? Let us know. Please like and follow our Facebook page, facebook.com slash popcanonpodcast. Please follow us on Twitter, at popcanonpod. And subscribe to us on the following podcast platforms. iTunes, Google Play, Anchor, Overcast, Pocket Casts, and of course our YouTube page, which is also the exclusive home to our previous 20 episode run under our old name. And here's how to follow us individually. I, Robert, can be followed on Twitter and Instagram at Yesball. Jordan can be followed on Twitter and Instagram at Alex Shepard. Andrew is on Twitter at flavored underscore red and Instagram at skeleton underscore city underscore comics. And we were only able to follow Brian for a short while. He was way ahead of us in the mountains as the weather grew colder. We lost sight of him, but we kept searching until we found a makeshift campsite with the fire still burning. But still no Brian. When suddenly a man with a samurai sword came charging at us. Smash cut to black. Thank you so very much for listening, and don't forget, if you're a WWE fan, Jordan and I also run the Royally Rumbled podcast. Follow us on Twitter to learn more.